Hi, I'm Rob Knight, the host of Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This is TWIP, episode 446. France bans skinny. Typically, when you think of that stereotypical glamorous fashion shoot, your mind conjures up visions of glitzy sets, demanding photographers, talented makeup artists, lots of minions running around, and, of course, beautiful and sometimes skinny models. Well, that vision is changing in France. The country is passing legislation that would effectively ban skinny models from photo shoots. France is defining skinny as models with a body mass index, or BMI, of 18 or less. Models that fall into that category must present a doctor's note stating they are in good general health. Now, breaking this law can mean steep fines for agencies and photographers of up to $82,000 US and of up to six months in prison. In this episode, we discuss this new law and its enforceability and implementation, as well as the persistent skinny model controversy. Here to discuss the story, as well as the 2016 Consumer Electronics Show and DJI's spiffy new headquarters in China, are Joseph Lanaski of PhotoApps.Expert and Dave Dugdale of LearningVideo.com. It's Monday, January 4th, 2016, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, here for this very first episode of TWIP of 2016. I'm joined by two of my good friends, Mr. Dave Dugdale, Mr. Joseph Lenaski. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Hello. Greetings. Very well. Happy New Year. Happy New yes, Year. Happy, happy New Year. Year. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's a, these years are flying by. I don't know what's happening. You know, as like the older I get, it seems like the incline gets steeper and steeper. <laughs> I'm like, even even going to bed at night, I'm like, you know, I just went to bed and now I have to get up again. I'm like, what, what is with these days? Is you the are earth, getting old, man. Jeez. Is the spin increasing of the earth? Like, what is happening? This is crazy. And I have more to do now, but it's all good. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna be a good show. There's lots of stuff happening. First of all, I want to kick this kick the year off right, and uh, you know talk about some really cool stuff. So we have lots of cool stuff, courtesy Bruce Clark, our show notes writer. Um, but also, uh, want to get caught up on what both of you've been up to, Joseph. I know you've been traveling around. You're always traveling around, doing all kinds of mirrorless stuff and educating and recording tutorials. I saw your face on the DXO one site. You're like everywhere. That beard is iconic. What is, <laughs> what is going on, man? Yeah. It's, you know, it's been, it's been a busy, uh, well, the last half of the year was just insanely busy. Um, a little bit of personal travel, but mostly for work. Yeah. Like you said, as a Lumix luminary for Panasonic, I've been doing a bunch of travel for them. I was out at B&H. That was the last trip I had of the year. Uh, Core, St. Louis doing presentations and, uh, part of the tour, the Lumix Shoot Anything tour. I did that with Julio, of course, that uh, filled out a good chunk of the year as well. And yeah, I've been doing a, doing a bunch of that. And then, right, I did the videos, uh, a whole lineup of videos for DxO, all about the DxO one and yeah. all about the software that goes with it and so on. And also some new videos for Panasonic. I don't know if you saw those, the no. post-focus videos. Yeah. 
Oh, um, I need to see those. I just updated my firmware so I could use that. Uh, Maybe you can you can tell us about it later in the show. There you go. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm it's, interested. It's a very cool feature. It's really interesting. It's a lot of fun to play with. So. All right. It. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. That's good. Well, welcome back to the show, and thank you for hosting the show for that one episode in my absence. Absolutely. Anytime. I was, I was out running around dodging scooters in Vietnam. <laughs> I'm, I'm very <laughs> envious. It's a great place to be. I love it. It there. is so awesome. I got to go back. Got to go back. Also in the show, Mr. Dave Dugdale. Dave Dugdale, what's going on, man? I've been working on my A7S, A Sony A7R2 course for like forever. It's taken me way too long. Um, and it's just, I don't know why, why it's taking me so long, mostly because S-Log has been very confusing to me. So I've been running through lots of examples, tests, and going back and then trying different things, trying to learn how to do it myself, how to grade it. And that's just taken forever. So is this, a, is this a, like a beginner's, it's a beginner's walkthrough of the whole thing? or Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do is it's a beginner level course. But that one chapter in S-Log, I kind of talk about because I'm halfway done with the course, I say, all right, now we've gotten to this chapter. If you've got to this chapter, your brand spanking new, just skip it and come back in like <laughs> six months to a year from now after you've learned how to use the camera pretty well and you want to get more dynamic range out of your videos and then come back and watch this kind of thing. So that's how I'm trying to approach it. But it's it's not easy to do this the whole S-log thing. It's just a <laughs> pain in the butt, especially Ugh. with an 8-bit Kodak. And there's just a whole bunch of problems. So I'm trying to demonstrate it in a certain way. And I think I'm finally getting there because I'm not a professional colorist. You know, those guys that, you know, how to knew, know how to color really, really well. I'm not one of them. So it's taken me just forever to make this darn course. But here's the thing. I want to release it before the next darn Sony camera comes out in the next probably week, you know, because <laughs> well, you know, so I don't want to I don't want to bust your bubble, but <laughs> they did send an email saying that they are at CES and they're doing a big announcement and wow. a streaming event tomorrow I as should, we record this. So well, we're recording this on the what is it? The fourth. <laughs> so on the fifth at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. They're doing a big streaming announcement. So <laughs> you got 24 well, hours, buddy. Get up there. I know. Get out there. Get and I ping them. I ping them today to see if they had anything for us to mention on the show. And they said, all I got back, let me, let me, where's the text message? All I got back was nothing to disclose until fifth. <laughs> well, I sure hope it's the A, what is it? The, the A6000. I don't even know the crop sensor cameras very well, but it's the next version of the 6000. Yeah. That's what I hope it is. Gosh, I hope they're not re releasing the A8 or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. That would be my bet. Like an A6100 or something. Yeah. I yeah. hope. But well, yeah, I just just so you know, I'm going to, you know, so you have a little buffer there so you don't have too much shock when they <laughs> announce. We come out I, with the A10. <laughs> and Joseph, I was on lynda.com the other day and I, I ran into some of your DIY videos. Oh, yeah? Those, those are cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, 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 those are really fun. Yeah, I recorded the second round of the DIY videos in the fall. The first round we did in the spring and they release them every other week. And so there's a new video out every other week. And um it's been great. It's just a nice ongoing series. It's a lot of fun. The last one, so the, if you saw some of the newer ones, we actually recorded them in the workshop at Linda.com. Like workshop. Yeah, oh, that's what you saw. I thought it was like your garage or something. No, oh, man, <laughs> I wish. Are you kidding me? That thing's insane. Um, it was so cool. And of course, what you couldn't see, the behind the scenes part of it, was all the reflectors and sound baffling that they had set up in that workshop to make it sound as good as it did. And I walked into that thing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And it was such a fun, sh uh, fun course to shoot. So that's great. You know, you know, I got to give both of you guys credit because Joseph, I hope you don't mind me disclosing, but you and I met when we were both back at Apple and you were one of those folks, one of the few 
like folks that were tapped to speak for Apple on the stage at Macworld, right? So, right. and the presentations were always flawless. And you're you're in front of like like legions. This is like right after Steve was on stage. Now you're on stage in the booth reiterating what he said with the same, but with more detail, right? Right. right. So so that's where when I watch your stuff, I see that come out that that sort of fit and finish and polish and attention to detail. So congratulations. I know. I see it. every video I watch is like that. You know, I'm like, okay, I, I know where this is coming from. And <laughs> and Dave, yours the same way. Yours, like when I look at your tutorials, your even your free YouTube stuff on your very popular YouTube channel, like you go into excruciating detail on this stuff, <laughs> but in a way, in a way that's approachable for normal mortals like us, right? So well, it's like, okay, I can understand what why G, you know. 4k is better on this camera than that camera because you explain it with details and like what i like about your videos is like where a lot of people would like give a solution and then stop you'll give a solution and then continue with examples and then a few more examples showing the other camera and then you give a synopsis at the end to explain why you came to whatever conclusion so kudos to both of you guys thank you i am watching big brother's watching (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, uh, let's dive into the show. This first part, I want to talk about uh, some of the predictions and early announcements from CES. We have some of the stuff in the show, in the notes. CES is kicking off this week. Um, as we record this, like I mentioned, it is January 4th, 2016. And the CES show is the annual consumer electronics show that takes place in Las Vegas. And when we say consumer electronics, we mean consumer electronics. Everything that might have some sort of wire in it is there with their latest, latest innovation. And they're all sending press releases, even if it's like, you know, like I was saying, telling Dave at the beginning, even if it's like, hey, we introduced a new battery that has one milliamp hour more than last year. They have a release <laughs> and a booth or something there. There was some news earlier this week that was talking about CES as bloated to such a huge size. It takes over Vegas for one. So it's taken over the city and there's, it's almost like Photokina now. It's like, there's no way that you could see everything there. So you're missing stuff when you fly there. So for me, I'm not going. So it's, it's almost better for me to sit back and let the, the press releases roll in and pick and choose and, you know, watch the news from other people that have spent the time and money to go, <laughs> go there. <laughs> So, so Dave, have you been keeping your your finger on the pulse of what's being announced there, other than the Sony stuff? Yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> the one thing I'm hoping for is, and the big rumor is, since, since I've been using mostly, I got rid of all my Canon stuff and I'm shooting only Sony. I still have my GH4, but it's gathering dust. Um, what? I, I know. Hey, send that send that to me. Send it over. You don't need. That. <laughs> it's a great it's a great camera, but I've been using the Sony camera so much lately. But the thing I've been hoping for. And what's rumored is the release of a like a 24 to 70 2.8 zoom rather than all these point or uh, f4 lenses that they have. Ooh. So I'm really hoping that they'll actually. In fact, I've got one of my. No, why? Uh, why would you want a 24 to 70 2.8 over a faster lens? No, I mean, it's a an f4. Oh, like, meaning it's a slower. The lens I've got now that I'm actually on has it's on eBay right now. I'm trying to sell it just before. You know, the new one gets announced maybe tomorrow. Um, oh, you have an F4. I thought you said 1.4. So oh, you have sorry. an F4. F4. Okay. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So you have an F4. You're going to go to work. Yeah, I'm surprised so, that they don't have a 24 already. That's like they, one of the most common I know, I know. focal lengths ever. I know. Yeah, because Joseph, don't we have the equivalent of that on the Micro Four Thirds side? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah, check, okay, I was just check, <laughs> check this thing out. This is a 28 to 135. 
and it's an F4 and it's gigantic. Oh, geez. See, you're in I that mean, world, man. Look at that. that is... know, it's, it's a video type lens and it's, yeah. it's very sharp and everything, but everything that they have is, are all F, um, F4s. They're not, huh. they don't have any, you know, zooms that are 2.8, but the rumor is tomorrow, hopefully they'll announce some, uh, 2.8s. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What else? What What are you hoping for other than that? Anything? Anything like I think we talked about this before when I interviewed you at NAB a while ago. I'm like, what what's missing? Like, what do you want to like round out your kit that is not there that you wish was there? Well, I got to say, I mean, like when the A7R2 came out, it was like, a you know, the wish list, you know, the Christmas list was all fulfilled, except for one thing. And the only thing I can complain about this camera is I wish it had a touchscreen. So mm. hopefully in the next, Ugh. what will be great is that, that, that crop sensor camera, the, what it's the 6,000 or whatever is going to be coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, whatever. If that, what it's rumored to come out tomorrow, if that has a touchscreen, then hopefully that'll get, you know, passed on. See, I've, I'm all about the gear. Joseph, you know, you know, I'm going to transition over to you. So uh, like on all about the gear, Doug K and I, when I was do, hosting that show with him, every time we'd review a camera and it would come up with you know a camera without a touchscreen i'm like why yeah. why would you release a camera in this day and age when we have these we're trained to use these cell phones <laughs> why are you going to give me something with a screen on it that i can't touch i yeah. mean and like it's some nice. of doug doug's apologetics were oh it's expensive they want to cut corners i'm like come on man they already, it's have, not it. <laughs> they already have it in some of their other camcorders right so. it's, there's, there's no excuse joseph what do you think what do you think i mean what's the well, I, I get that they would take that out on a lower end camera as a way to one keep the price down and two also give you a reason to buy a higher end camera oh, you know it's just too. it's another bullet point right mm -hmm. um it, but in general if it's a higher end camera like that sony without a touchscreen come on right that's yeah. insane yeah, I don't, I don't get that. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, and it's Sony. I mean, these, like, I could see if it was, you know, brand new, no name company that's just finding their way. This is Sony. They, they practically invented consumer electronics. Yeah, and they're putting out products that are flagship that photographers love without an LCD that you can still tether to through Wi-Fi and control with your LCD <laughs> on your phone. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't no, get that's it. That's crazy. So Joseph, before I start with you, uh, Dave, one more question on that that camera on your your A7. Which which model A7 is it? I've got the A7R2 and the A7S. I'm going to be getting the A7S2 pretty soon. Now, which one of those shoots 4K? They all do in a sense. The A7, the both the two, the Mark but 2s. natively, natively internally to the car. Yeah, which the one? A7R2 and the A7S2. And, and are they viable from a from a video guy's perspective to shoot? Because you know, like on the the Panasonic cameras, we put a card in there and shoot all day until yeah. the batteries run out or whatever. Did did Sony do the same thing with these cameras? Yes and no. I mean, when it first came out, it overheated. Like you're doing an interview at about 15 minutes or 20 mm. minutes in, it would overheat and it would shut down. Yeah. But they've came out with a new firmware update, which apparently addresses. I haven't had a chance to download it yet, but and try it. But hopefully, it fixes that issue. And some people have reported that it has fixed the issue for them. So, um, look, really looking forward to that. But no, in, in terms of 4K camera, it's it's phenomenal. It's great. Cool. It's, cool. You know, know the there were some issues. The GH4 is a great 4K camera too. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I love that camera too, but I just, since I've been working on a lot of courses for Sony cameras, um, yeah, I haven't touched the GH4. Now the, the other piece, like when, when I was in, um, what was it last year? I think it was, I was in New Zealand. I was on one of Trey Ratcliffe's workshops 
And a lot of the people there, including Trey, had Sony cameras, you know. And one of the issues that I saw with those folks was the constant switching of batteries. Like they would have batteries in their pockets like squirrels have nuts in their jaws. I mean, it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, I had back then I had my GH4 and I had two batteries oh, yeah. and I would never run out one battery the oh, entire day. So yeah. like, has, have they gotten, please tell me they've gotten better so the, far. The A7, the test that I've run, the A7R2 gets about, 20 minutes more than the a7s did and the same type of test that i've run so apparently they're doing something you know to improve battery life but um yeah it's it's so tiny but if you look at the gh4 battery and compare it to the a7s type battery it's like twice the size uh, yeah. so it's not really a fair comparison and i understand they want to keep the camera super small and lightweight and i'm right yeah. there with them i want it to be small and lightweight but i would love to have you know because the gh4 like you said it lasts like three and a half four hours on average yeah, it just goes so if you have two it goes batteries, so long that you're worried you that it's yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. like when I, was, I went to france i was like okay something's wrong either my battery meter is wrong or <laughs> <laughs> something's going because i was shooting i was shooting video i was shooting stills and like Cameras going on and off, running the LCD at full brightness, all this stuff. And at the end of the day, after all that, filling up multiple cars, at the end of that, I'm still I still have two thirds battery left. I'm like, uh, what's going on here? This can't <laughs> be right. Impressive. Yeah, so you get nervous. I'm like, I'm gonna swap batteries anyway, just <laughs> just <laughs> in case. And if I if I need that other battery, I can come back to it. Uh, but Joseph, what about you? So thoughts on CES? Like, what what have you seen that's piqued your interest so far? And What's missing in your kit that you wish you had? Well, as far as what I've seen, I honestly, I haven't been paying much attention to it. Um, it's There's just too, so many shows going on, and, and I try mm -hmm. to focus my tech geeky stuff more on the photography side, and I don't really look at CES as a photography show. Obviously, camera companies will do stuff there, case in point, Sony, mm -hmm. but it's just not my area of interest, so I'm really not paying that much attention to it. So no idea. I've actually never been. I'd love to go to that show sometime. Uh, but you know, you're as you were saying, it's it's so huge, it's so hard to see everything. But for me, just those... take every show that you've ever been to, and put it there at the same time. <laughs> and then that's that's basically CES. You know, I God, this is years ago. This would have been ninety ninety nine, ninety eight, something. I think ninety eight. I went to a show in Germany called Drupa, I believe is what it is, and it's a month long uh, print show. It's all about print and companies like Heidelberg set up, spent a million dollars setting up this back then, setting up an entire warehouse with an entire printing press in it. And that was one of those unbelievably massive trade shows. You've yeah. never seen anything like that. It's just insane. And there are a few other shows like that that are so huge, you can't see everything. But you said that you sit back and just let the press releases roll in. And obviously, you're going to see all the important stuff that way. So if that's what you're looking for is the big news, there's no reason to go to the shows. But for me, the shows are always about the little stuff, the little companies making little products that you wouldn't otherwise see. Just it's too small. It's going to fall through the cracks. It's not going to make the major news. But that's where you find the fun stuff. And even totally. at, uh, at Photo Plus Expo, I was out there. And gosh, right now I'm, I'm blanking on the name. I should have made this to pick my pick of the week, actually, since it's... Uh, uh, but it was a little while ago, but it was a, it's a Chinese company that makes this lens. It's equivalent of a, a it's a 25 millimeter F 0.95 lens, 0.95. It's all mechanical, uh, no autofocus, no auto aperture or anything, but put it on the, this is for the micro four thirds. You put it on the GX8 or GH4, whatever, and you can rotate the aperture and put the camera in aperture priority. And it just figures out what the exposure has to be. It doesn't know what the aperture is, but it goes, okay, I'm getting this much light. I need to expose for this long and boom, 
and you get the right exposure and it's such shallow depth of field in the lens for some kind of you know cheap chinese lens it's really sharp it's an awesome it's like that, like that Rokinon fisheye seven point five. That's those are crazy. I mean, yeah. it's it's sharp as all get out. It's all manual, but it's it's tiny. And you're like, what? How can this be so cheap? And yeah. it's it looks so good. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So lenses like that or toys like that. That's what that's what I miss. Uh, if I don't go to these shows, that's what I look forward to. If I go into these shows, seeing the things right. that you would normally not not catch up. And on. sometimes you see that you get the important nuggets like. I don't know if you guys remember, he's a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There was a show called, it was in, in San Jose called Internet World, called Internet World Expo. Okay. And I remember I went to it uh, and it was one of those shows where, you know, they have the main floor with all the people with budget. And then outside of the main floor were the, people's without, the people without budgets and the little cheap booths. Right. And out there in the far corner by the restrooms was a little booth from a company called Future Splash. And they had a little product called Future Splash Animator. And it had a crowd around it. And this this turned <laughs> out to be, Adobe, Adobe acquired them and it turned out to be Flash because they were creating yeah. these super small vector-based animations. Oh yeah, Macromedia bought them. Macromedia snapped them up and then you know Adobe and Macromedia merged and, and you know on and on and on. But you know, they had a crowd around there because they're like they were doing these full cartoon cart like four minute cartoons. And they're like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is fifty k. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, this is the future of the web right here. Here's the yeah. future. That's so. that's kilobytes for those listening, not fifty thousand dollars. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Make sure Sorry. those who yeah. don't understand what a k is. Um, yeah. And yeah. so I, I looked up that lens that I was talking about. So the company is called Zongyi Optics, and the op the website is zyoptics.net. And the lens is called a Miticon, M-I-T-A-K-O-N, the Miticon Speedmaster 25 millimeter f.95. And they yeah. make it for, they make it in a 50 mil for full frame cameras as well. It's a bit more expensive. It's bigger, I think probably for a Sony mount. Yep, they do. Uh, yeah. They do, okay. But that, I love that thing. Uh, that on my GH8, GX8, I'm, um, I'm in love. It's just a All right, how camera. much does it cost? What, 400 bucks. How much? 400. Oh. Wow. Three ninety nine. Okay. Th that's the thing, right? <sighs> that same lens from a big name manufacturer would be double the cost. Oh yeah, easily. easily. No, no yeah. autofocus though. Right, no autofocus. Yeah. But you know what's funny is, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of manual focusing on the kind of drive by wire lenses, it's but tough. this one, <laughs> it's a mechanical focus, and I've kind of re-fallen in love with manual focusing, and with focus peaking on all these cameras, you know, on the GX8 and GX4, you have the focus peaking. And you can even zoom in, so you can program one of your buttons to you can any button on your uh, camera to you push that and it zooms into the frame, so that you get a really close up while you're focusing and the little blue sparkles come up to show you exactly what you're focused on, which is pretty important when your depth of field is about two millimeters. Uh, you know, you want to get that right. But uh, you or know, you just I get move, a lot of just soft move the camera, right? Just, like, just you know, I get camera. a lot of get a lot of out of focus shots, but man, when you nail it, it's great. It's really cool. Okay, so you—that was a good segue. I got to hear about this post-focus thing. So, so uh oh, who's that? That's me. My bad. <laughs> so now uh. we got to edit the show to take out that copywritten music. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> no, it was on for less than uh, what? Don't you get ten seconds or something? Yeah, it's like ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah. See, now uh. I got that song in my head. Thanks, Joseph. <laughs> anyway, that's been my ringtone for years. I love it. Anyway, sorry. Um, so, um, so I was going to ask about post-focus. Yeah, so, yeah. So this post-focus thing. So you talk about focus um, and. I you know, I was in Vietnam when that when that release came out and they were talking about 
essentially this allows you to focus after the fact by taking a series of images and then the, and then the processor and the camera does something magical so that you can select the right one. How, just quickly, how does it work? Okay, it's, it's very simple. What it does is it shoots a 4K video but in 4K photo modes, so you're getting the aspect ratio of 4-3 aspect ratio, not your widescreen 69 ratio. So you get a 4K video, and during the duration of that video, it changes focus. It racks focus. So you point the camera at your subject, you push the button, and it figures out what the closest thing it's going to focus on is going to be and what the farthest thing it's going to be. And it just racks focus between those. And if there's a jump, let's say you've got a... Um, you know, a box, a cardboard box in front of you. So there's depth to that. And then there's a big long space and then a, a car in the background. It's not going to waste time racking through focus between the box and the car. It'll focus from the front of the box to the back of the box and then jump to the car in the background and focus through that. And it does that while recording video. So then when it's done, you go back to kind of to play it back on your on the back of the screen. You hit choose, you know, you hit a little button to choose the mode. And you get a film strip on the bottom and you drag your finger across the film strip and you're basically scrubbing the movie, but you're scrubbing through and you see exactly, uh, you choose exactly what frame you want. And focus peaking comes on while you're scrubbing it so uh. you can pick that precise frame where the focus is yeah. wherever you wanted it to be. Out of here. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's so in, cool in 4K interface. photo mode, in 4K photo mode, it's, it sounds like the same UI where you shoot a, a clip and you can drag your finger and then yeah. say, yeah, I want it this one to make a JPEG for me. Yep, it's the same UI. So it's doing the same thing? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, so the, the length of the video that you shoot is really dependent on how far your subjects are, right? If I, if I was to take a picture of this microphone and there was nothing behind me or a blank wall behind me and all it had to focus on was the front to the back of the mic, that might be a half second or quarter second long movie because it's going to focus very quickly. But the, the duration also depends on the lens you have because some lenses autofocus more quickly than others. They can move from the closest distance to the farthest distance more quickly than others. It just depends on the lens. Mm -hmm. So uh, something like the 15 millimeter Leica lens on the on the Panasonic is very fast focuser. So that'll do really quick movies. But then some of the other ones, like a macro lens that has a really long range of focus, it may take a much longer movie simply because it takes longer for the lens to focus from the closest possible point to the farthest possible point. So as, as far as possible usages for this type of technology, when would, when do you use it? Or do you use it in like your everyday life? Or is it is it just like one of those niche features that you can demo and then you never use it again? No, no, it's it's a fun feature to use. It's There's clearly times where you're going to use it just to play with it, but then you go, you know what, I, I know what I want to focus on. Um, so you're just going to focus on that and take a picture. Yeah, so what yeah. I the way I explain it is if you know what you want to focus on, then just focus on it and take the picture. For one, you're going to get a higher resolution image, right? You're going to get a 16 or in the case of the GX8, a 20 megapixel image. Whereas when you're shooting 4K photo mode, you're getting eight megapixel. So, yeah. right, there, there is that. So if you know, I want to focus right here on this, then just do it and go. But if you're unsure of what the best focus point is going to be, maybe even you're shooting a portrait. Well, should I shoot, or should I focus on the front eye or the back eye? What's going to work out better for this shot? You can do the post-focus that way, and then choose later. And it might even be a case of choosing later as in I'm going to look down right now and choose and go, you know what, back eye is the better way to do it and reshoot it. It might be a case of I only got one chance to get this shot and I don't know what to focus, so I'm going to flip it over to 4K uh, to uh, post-focus mode and shoot it because then at least I know I've got it. Mm -hmm. um, and also it just could be great for education. It's a really good educational tool so that you can very easily see the difference of here's what happens when you focus here versus here. Here's how it tells the story differently. Uh, it's a great tool for that.
Cool. And then there's the one of the other video. One of the videos that I did was about focus stacking using this. So mm. you can shoot this, take the video into Photoshop, and Photoshop will extract the frames, and then you can blend those into a focus stack. And so you have a macro image that is focus stack. So you have exactly what you want in focus, very very sharp, and then everything else goes very soft. With the caveat that it's only going to be an eight megapixel file when you're done, right? right? So it's the only I, that's the sound like one of the only trade offs there, right? Exactly. So it's again a good example is let's say that you're doing um, you're going to shoot some ring that you want, you know, piece of jewelry, small macro piece of jewelry, and you've got to do huge billboards. You're doing this one image. This is the image you're doing. Okay, you're going to spend the time to do this focus stacking the manual way or hooking up to a computer and having it control the soft, control the focus and all that, but. On the flip side, let's say you're doing catalog work. You've got you've got to crank out a hundred images uh, to go on the website or to get printed small in a catalog, and you want to do this post you want to do the focus stacking on them. Doing that the old fashioned way, the manual way, is going to take a lot of time. But yeah. you can crank them out this way. So if you're doing any kind of close up catalog work, it's a beautiful thing for that. So you shoot everything, and then later you just go, yeah, that's the shot. Next photo. Well, that or shot, well, sure, p selecting it or but doing the focus stacking, right? Oh, so doing you the go, stacking and right, bring it together. Yeah. You go into Photoshop and you say, I want from here to here, extract those frames and then blend them together into a focus stack image. And where are these tutorials that you did on this? They're on Panasonic. They're all over the Panasonic websites and um, on their YouTube page, Panasonic USA uh, YouTube page, and okay. yeah, they're and they've been on my web facebook page and you know they're all over all right well give us whatever links you want to point us to put yeah i'll stick some we'll... uh, links in the show note for that I'll make okay. sure i do that yeah perfect all right guys let's move on to the next story um actually this is kind of the first story um first real story so we wanted to do this last week but uh we ran out of time because we got stuck in this rat hole of talking about travel and all that cool stuff but this one is about france so france has banned this is interesting so <laughs> france has banned <laughs> too thin fashion models and demands photoshopping to be labeled. So let me read this blurb to you. So France has passed a new law designed to combat anorexia in fashion and modeling or in fashion modeling and unrealistic body images in fashion photography. Introduced back in March and passed as law two weeks ago, the new skinny, quote, skinny model ban, as it's called, requires that in order to work, thin models must present a doctor's note stating they're healthy and that their body has a BMI or body mass index of over 18. Um, and here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> so agency and brand employers who break this rule can face up to, wait for it, <laughs> six months in jail and fines of up to, uh, what is it, $82,000 respectively. So 82 grand or six months in jail for taking photos of a, a model that has a BMI under 18 and not, or letting her work um, and not reporting it or, I don't know. This is just like, I understand where the spirit of this and the, the, the thrust behind it, but Dave, come on. <laughs> like, uh, come on. Is this, I mean, I, I want to keep people healthy as well. And, but really, I mean, I, I just, I, for some part of me is just thinking this is, going way too far. What do, what do you think? Well, I'm no fashion expert and I don't watch women go down the runway on a constant. I, I don't know. I don't have them followed the trend. Neither am I, but I am an expert at looking at women. Yes, so. that, that I am too. <laughs> However, um, yeah, I think it's, it, maybe it's swung so much over to these women that maybe go down the runway and barely have any body fat at all. 
Um, but me being a father, I have two girls Mm -hmm. and they're younger one's 10 and one's 12. Um, for me seeing it swing this way, um, and seeing some of those disclosures, um, and watching like my daughter take selfies of herself and do the things that she does Mm -hmm. at 12, um, I'm thinking, you know, maybe this is not bad. Maybe we need it to swing back to normal a little bit, especially yeah. for, um, you know, like my daughters that see those type of images and they tried to emulate it somehow or whatever. So yeah. for me as a dad, um, I'm thinking maybe if it swings back the other way a little bit, that's fine. I have a feeling though, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get into that, the fine print part of it, but it's one of those things if they put, you know, has been Photoshop or whatever on the actual ad in the new, you know, the magazine or whatever it is that it's going to get the print's going to be so small. It's going to be like one of those things for uh, a lease on a new car. And it's so tiny that you will become immune to it. So Mm -hmm. like all the car ads that you see, you know, there's tiny text down there, but you just don't even look at it. So maybe we'll come become immune to that. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think for little girls or girls like, like my daughters will actually look at the image, maybe go find the little tiny print and actually say to themselves, okay, this has been photoshopped, you know, I'm not even going to do a, try to, to be like this at all, you know? Do you, so do what, you think kids would do that though? I mean, I think so. Like they see, they see their favorite model and they're like, okay, all right, let me look down for the fine print to make sure this is how, this is the model I should be emulating. I know? think, I think so. I think they're, if you look at my girls, I think they would be savvy enough to do that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's a, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I see this and I'm thinking, come on. People, are you gonna? How are you gonna legislate this? I could see. <laughs> That's true. I I see. No, I like I said. I could see the. I understand it. And I I agree with. Okay, we don't want to present this negative body image and unrealistic and un, unattainable and more importantly unhealthy image that young girls would then try to emulate and hurt themselves. So I understand that. But how do you police this? And then policing it, <laughs> and and if you find somebody, you're gonna put them in jail for like for this or find them like two years salary or whatever they're getting paid 82 grand joseph what do you, what do you think what, what's your opinion on this well I, i'm with dave on this idea that it's when you have young girls or i have a 14 year old daughter so mm-hmm. that body image idea is is brutal um mm-hmm. you know what kids go through today and what they see and and the ads that you look at that are full of the most stunningly gorgeous perfect with air quotes perfect women to look at that and think, oh, that's what I should look like, is just wholly unrealistic and it's not healthy. And we've yeah. we've had this topic on the show before, talking about should we should we somehow watermark or put an indicator on there that says that these images have yeah. been altered. And one of the things that it says in the notes here is that it's the the notes are if the image has been retouched, uh, making the model smaller or larger than it has to be noted, because obviously every image is Photoshop. There's right. never yeah. going to be an image that isn't Photoshop. So if every blemish that's removed suddenly has to get this big badge on it that says this has been Photoshop, then absolutely people are going to become completely, totally immune to it. It's going to be stupid. Yeah. Um, if the requirement to put this badge or text or whatever is that it's a big enough thing that people don't want that on their image. Like as an advertiser, say I'm advertising whatever fashion brand, I don't want to have this big ugly thing on there that says this model has been retouched. Well, I'm now going to go out of my way to make sure that I'm hiring models that are a bit more realistic looking um, and photograph in a way that's flattering. Obviously, it's all about lighting and angle and everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at least not going to go in and retouch them and say, you know what, let's bring that waist size down a couple Uh, make the breast size up a couple 
it make the eyes bigger and the mouth lips plumper and all the things that they do in mm-hmm. Photoshop. You know what? You just you're gonna have to either find somebody like that if that's what you really want, or you're gonna show people the way they really are if you don't want to have then, that. Brand. But then just getting getting into the technicality or the 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 technology behind this. So and in in merging technology with the legalities of it. Mm-hmm. So let's let's put it let's paint a hypothetical situation. You you're doing a shoot, both of you guys are doing a shoot and you you bring a model in there and her BMI is 17. It's under 18. You don't know. You know, she just looks she's dressed in a way that she just looks like normal, right? You proceed to shoot her. How do how do they police that? I mean, they're going to establish like model police that scrub through every magazine and then go find that model on the day that she was shot to see, to compare the two? Like, how do you, like, if they find, if they see a shot that looks unrealistic from this model and this photographer, and they say, this is obviously a breach of our new law. Let's go get this guy. Mm-hmm. They go find that model. She's now put on 40 pounds. <laughs> well, sure. But like, it says here, you have to have a doctor's note saying what that your BMI is over 18. Yeah. Well, that's going to have a date on it, right? Yeah, and so I would true. imagine, but if, if, you, like if she any didn't other do thing, that, though, if she didn't do that and he shot her anyway. Well, like, then you're in violation of the law. Now you're in violation of the law. Now what? So how do they go get that guy to put him in jail or charge him 85 grand or 82 grand? Well, like, how do, do they go get the model? And what if the model has her physical appearance has changed? Or what if what if this is the reverse? You have a model that looked great on the day that you shot her and she was perfect. And it, but some person that was reviewing the image said, hey, this looks questionable. And then they go find her. And she's now anorexic. Like, what what happens? Right, to but the again, it, it goes back to looking at the image of, of how you were that day. And mm-hmm. if you were a super skinny model to begin with, it's just super skinny models are the ones that have to have the thing that says they have BMI of eighteen or, or above. Yeah. Um, so, if the whole point is to you know you're looking at an image that you think oh this this looks doctored but it doesn't have that badge on it okay this was shot by X company we reach out to the company hey we think you're in violation of this law you need to prove that you're not provide documentation that the model was uh, you know, of this weight at that time and it could be as simple as providing unretouched images you know here's here's the raw file right there's my proof the raw file you can look at the, what's in the ad it looks identical you, that's you know, yeah there's your proof right there. Yeah. It just, it just seems, I mean, like I said, I agree with the spirit of this. It makes a hundred percent sense um, on several levels in terms of trying to make sure people, you know, stay healthy and are doing the right thing. And we're not promoting an unrealistic body image. I just think like, okay, France is doing this. How do you, a, like for all the points that I illustrated before, how do you police this? And then secondly, what if the photographer says, you know what? Okay. All right. I'm uh, I'm going to go to Spain and shoot. <laughs> you know, or I'm going to Germany. I'm going to do my shoot in Germany. You know, what, what's, how do you police that in such a small area in Europe? You know, I don't, I don't. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? You do. You, you do. start there you and, and hope that other company, uh, other countries adopt the same law. What do you think the chances of that are? You think, I mean, I mean, we had, we had, they had a hell of a time just trying to get that currency thing fixed. Right? So, <laughs> well, so, you, you know, know. It's, it's tough, but I think if, if the consumers react positively to it, then you know, if you get more consumers, if consumers calling up a, a magazine or an advertiser and saying, hey, why don't you put this badge on there? I want to see this badge on there. You know, yeah. it, it could get pushed through that way. It just yeah. depends. If, if everybody hates it, nobody cares, then it'll just go away. But um, if people respond positively to it, then I think it has a chance of getting somewhere. Well, the other side of this coin is 
are people are in in both of you guys you have teenagers right so you can you maybe you can answer this question are kids looking to print magazines and those kinds of imagery of women for their their guidance on what to look like because I, I i thought it was like these snapchat people and youtube and you know that's that more of the reality is where things are are, are influencing today's society not from vogue magazine and and teenager and all these, these but all those companies magazines. have websites they do so yeah you know if you're yeah, if you're I'm, a web I'm, generation you're gonna be looking on the website looking at the pictures so why not well, yeah. well since Same my thing. girls are somewhat younger i i monitor pretty heavily what they're looking at um so they're not they're looking at the youtube stuff they're not looking at vogue magazine i don't think i've ever seen them on a high fashion magazine before but there are youtubers that kind of cover that kind of industry which they yeah. like but um I don't think they're really looking at those high-end models from France or whatever. Yeah, interesting. We're definitely going to follow this because I'm I'm interested on several levels. Just just how they police it. Um, does it make sense? Will it gain widespread adoption around Europe and maybe across the pond here in the U.S. and and what does it mean for the industry? What does it mean for models? Like if if it does gain widespread adoption, how does it impact the overall industry? Like is it going to like stifle the industry because you have all these safeguards in place and photographers are afraid to hire anybody that doesn't look, you know, kind of heavy, you know, it's like, I'm going to err in the other direction. I'm just going to, cause I can't afford that fine and I don't want to go to jail. So I'm, you know, nobody that even has the slight appearance of being skinny, even if you have a note that says your, your, <laughs> your bite, your BMI is more than 18, you're not going to be shot. You know, I wonder if it's going to swing in that direction. Because me, as a, as a photographer who sh shoots people, looking at something like this, I would be definitely, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not taking any chances. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, ma'am. You are beautiful, but I can't I can't shoot you today. I'm sorry. You're you know? too much of a liability. <laughs> yeah. yeah, too much. You know, it's it's if it's between you and, you know, getting photographed and me sharing a cell with, you know, some <laughs> For six dude. Months. <laughs> yeah. Another photographer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, like, hey, dude, what are you in for? Oh, man, I shot a, I shot a skinny chick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole wing for dudes that shot skinny chick. The funny uh, thing is the model's not in jail. The darn photographer is. Right. The photographer's <laughs> in jail for doing it. Oh, good grief. And then the other thing is like, okay, like Dave, you brought up like the whole idea of how how big does the text, the yeah. watermark on there need to be? Or does it like when you do a liquefy around her like waist, does the word say Photoshop? Yeah, right at that edge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I removed some crow's feet each like right by the eye. You have to say retouched, retouched, retouched. Oh, man. All oh. I know is the makeup artists have got to get better. The guys got to get better with lighting because, you know, with lighting, they can slim them down. They can do a whole bunch of other. So in terms of the yeah. craft of photography and in and, and that area of the world, I think it's got to have to accelerate because they're going to be yeah. like, man, we can't even get rid of blemishes now. What are we going to do? You know? Well, and that's that was the point of at least what we saw in the notes. It says that if it makes the model bigger or smaller, oh, okay, that right. is, yeah. clarifies that, which is important. Otherwise, every single photo obviously gets retouched. Yeah, right. some okay. dodging and burning, some blemish removal. Clearly, so. Um, so yeah, Adobe Adobe will do their part, I'm sure. And every time you select the liquify <laughs> tool, it'll pop up it's with like, a little warning. Are it's you like, in France? <laughs> Use like of this DJI. tool may result in jail time. <laughs> DJI won't let you fly near an airport. You, they won't let you uh, use that that liquefy around her waist. <laughs> It'll say, exactly. "Warning: Don't do it unless you want to go to jail." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
<sighs> yeah, what an interesting industry. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about DJI. Speaking of drones, they've opened their first retail store in Shenzhen, China. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, we are back for this next story. DJI has opened their first flagship store. And if you've seen this picture that we put in the notes there, it looks like something from Battlestar Galactica. Or I was is, thinking Apple Store. Or <laughs> No, Apple is symmetrical. This thing is not symmetrical. Yeah. As far as I can see from this shop or from the shot, it, it looks kind of like alien or organic metal-y kind of something. I don't know. It's beautiful looking at it. It's crazy. It's really cool. But... Is this so, Joseph? I want to have you kick this off. Is this first store? Does this legitimize the drone industry, or did it need <laughs> legitimization? <laughs> I don't know that it needed legitimization. It's pretty legitimate <laughs> considering how much money they make. Uh, oh, it's you know you're a successful company, and it's a great path to go down and open up a retail store where you can control the user experience. That's what Apple did. And yeah. would you rather go to a Best Buy to buy a drone where you got somebody who really doesn't know anything about them and there's no way to test fly it, there's no way to learn how to fly it, or go to a place like this where you can get education, you can actually fly the thing? Uh, this is, it's pretty awesome. It is, it is definitely it is awesome. Really cool. Yeah, because I recently bought one and the one I guess one of the main reasons, even me, because I've talked to people that own drones for the last couple of years and it still took me this long to pull the trigger. 
partly because you know i wanted to save the money to buy it responsibly um but also because i was on this let me wait and see what comes out next let me yeah, wait yeah, and see yeah. what comes out next but the other piece of it was yeah i'm buying something brand new this is brand new technology do i really want to play with it is it really as cool as they say it is but if i had if i had the chance to actually go in a store and talk to one of these folks at length and fly one around i probably would have walked out with it right so right yeah so yeah i think you hit it right on the head okay so now that you have one what's the verdict Oh, dude, I'm kicking myself for not having bought it, bought it before. But had had I purchased it before, I probably would. I got the Phantom Three Professional. So if I had purchased it before, I probably would have gotten the two. This this one, I think, is the right one for me because it is it's it's the right starter one for me. I'm sure it won't be my last drone, but it, it I'm gonna I'm gonna record a review about it. But the short story is it is mind blowingly awesome in terms of a vertical tripod for a photographer that's what it feels like so like they said like i've read articles and talked to eric chang and all these folks and they're like yeah it's it's more than a drone it is now basically a flying camera right so when i got it and i'm going through all the settings and setting it up like first of all i expected it to be much more complex than it was to get going Mm -hmm. and get off the ground i was literally flying it like within the first 30 minutes of taking it out of the box and at altitude and feeling comfortable with it Um, but what blew me away is just like looking at the integration of all the avionics and long range radio technology coming back to the hand, the receiver and displaying everything on my iPad, you know, everything in real time, like laid out like a pilot, but still understandable. I was like, okay. This is science. You just have this weird chill of like, okay, this is kind of science fiction-y right now, yeah. what I'm doing. Because I'm flying over my neighborhood, like like a half a mile away, still kind of line of sight, half a mile away, looking down over places of my neighborhood I hadn't been before. I'm like, oh, wow, this is yeah. new. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so that's where I am now. I'm still in this. I take it across the, par- across the street to this park near my house. Um every day i didn't go today because it was raining but i go daily and just fly around reading eric chang's book on you know you fly these patterns you get used to the controls and all that Hmm. but as a new drone owner what i'm feeling and i'm registered by the way with the i was gonna ask if you did good good. oh yeah i did that that before i even took it out the first time um but as a new drone owner i'm having these pangs of like okay Enough of this park, man. I'm going to the Golden Gate Bridge. I need to fly this over Treasure Island. I need to go to Alcatraz, you know, but I need to find, I'm sure there's a resource for this. I need to find the resource or an app or something that shows me explicitly the no-fly zones because right. I, I don't want to be the guy that gets in trouble yeah, or absolutely. anything I, or puts anyone in danger or, any, or makes the industry look bad. I want right. to, you know, fly responsibly. So I need to figure out how to do that before I, uh, before I, uh, you know, go further. The other cool thing about it, and you guys probably know this already, I've learned after watching volumes of YouTube videos um, hosted by skinny models, is that there are <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the automated autonomous flight features of this thing were something I didn't expect. So there's this company, I forget the name of it, I think it's Auto Flight, that makes this app for $30 that goes on your iPad. And with this thing, you can essentially pre program waypoints the, the app the 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 uh drone can do it natively with just the dji software but this thing takes it up a couple of levels so you can program these routes you can have it follow you and orbit you or follow a path while it's orbiting you and keeping the camera fixed on your gps position and it's just like this is weird you know because <laughs> now i'm thinking okay yeah i wanted a drone so i could fly around 
But now I'm like, okay, that's like secondary, just flying around manually. Now I want to just geek out and sit down and make a flight plan with a Google map and say, okay, I want to fly to this point and aim the camera. Then I want to go to this altitude, pan the camera this way. You can do all that to meticulous detail and then upload it and then have the camera go fly that mission. That's cool. It was just, Very cool. it's just, yeah, it's really cool. So I'm learning a lot, obviously. Nice. Yeah. So that was a long-winded answer to your question of how am I liking my job? <laughs> <laughs> the question I have is, you know, it seems like everybody's got a crash story. Do you have your first crash story yet? I don't. I know it's like motorcycles. When I was learning to ride a motorcycle, they're like, there are two kinds of motorcycle riders. Those that have had a crash <laughs> and those that will have a crash, you know? <laughs> I have not had my crash yet. Wow. So very good. So I'm still yeah, and I've done, I've done, I've, you know, I've been flying aggressively, granted, but knowing that, because I know that. So now I'm being really overly careful. This thing is not cheap. It's right. twelve hundred dollars or whatever. So I'm like, okay, yeah, let me let me just go land now and go home. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing, you know, little short missions and when I start feeling a little uncomfortable, like, okay, why is it going too far that way? I'll just bring it home and then, you know let it let it simmer and then i'll go back and go, go nice. back out the next day nice. so sweet very cool yeah yeah so i like it so now now i want the phantom or the uh the inspire <laughs> <laughs> once i get up to speed on this one all right, all right guys um yeah so we'll put all the notes about this dji flagship store in the uh in the notes but yeah the 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 short of it is it's their first store. It's awesome. They've built it. The quote, they, they say the flagship store's interior architecture is based on the concept of, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Wan or Yuan, Y-U-A-N. Yeah, Wan. It's a Chinese word for circular, and it's symbolic of DJI's drone propellers, which are in circular shape, obviously, uh, when in motion. So it's a really interesting looking store and I'm, I'm excited and I hope, I hope they do more of these around the country. It'd be interesting until they talk, talk about the, uh, the lounge you can go to and talk to other people. And I'm thinking, are you going to be able to hear anything in there? And you see, yeah, I wonder if the employees, cause you have all these people that haven't flown drones before in there. All the employees have like, like beekeeper masks and... on. <laughs> you know, I wonder if the uh, the shape Walking of the building. <laughs> I wonder if the shape of the building has anything to do with acoustics and Maybe. trapping those propeller sounds up in the ceiling. Interesting. Only Joseph would come to that. It's quite very it's, logical that's conclusion. That's a very interesting looking building. I would love yeah. to see this in person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now, you if you want to see it in person, you got to go to Shenzhen, China. Yep. Maybe they'll open one. I know they have headquarters. They have uh, offices here in San Francisco and probably, you know, other places in the United States. Hopefully they'll open one somewhere in the United States as well, yeah. and maybe in Europe and all that. You know, we'll see. Cool. I mean, you know, the interesting thing about the drone industry is especially what was it? Uh, no, it was December 21st when the FAA's rules went into effect for registration and all that. So this year should prove pretty interesting with regard to what's going to happen going forward. Mm. Cause now we have these, these registrations in place and they've in the first couple of hours of that, or I think the first day they had hundreds of thousands of registrations of, you know, drone owners. And when I saw that, I was thinking, so there are hundreds of thousands of drone owners <laughs> in the United States alone. Cause it's yeah. FAA, right? Yeah, yeah. In the U S alone, there are hundreds of thousands of people and these are just the responsible ones. Right. You know, these aren't the other ones that have built their own drones and all this stuff. So I'm like, this is like, it was back to that. How do you police this thing again? Yeah. You know? So you have a finite number of law enforcement officials out there that would be trained to say, okay, that drone is doing something that's unsafe. Let me go find the owner 
if they can find the owner. Now I need to, you know, let me go look at this. Yeah, how, how do you police this as this industry gets more and more mature? Yeah, I, I understand. And I, I'm not sure where I even heard this. Um, you know what? It might have been on this show uh, that in Japan or at least in Tokyo that they have drone nets. I guess there are probably other drones carrying nets. You heard it on the show. Net. Was it on the show? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just to capture drones that are doing naughty things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's around airports. Yeah, that, that was Martin Bailey who lives in Tokyo that, that gave us that news. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so me, use me as an example. I'm here in my little suburban neighborhood. I take my drone off. I go fly it. I lose control of, of it. It crashes into somebody's private property. So let's not even say go down the route of it hurts somebody. It crashes into someone's Tesla, right? <laughs> uh, now what? Right. So what happens then? What's the recourse? Do they my drone has my name, email address and the FAA number on it. So they could say, hey, dude, you owe me whatever to mm -hmm. fix my Tesla. So they could do that. But what if I wasn't that guy? What if I, I was just flying it and I'm like, oh, I lost it. And hey, it might have hurt somebody. So, yeah, well, if you're not if, registered. If I, yeah. Yeah. If if I cop up to the fact that I was flying illegally or whatever, the fines are substantial. So mm. I'm not going to, I'm just going to let go. Right. I'm going to cut, you know, Hey, that's $1,300, you know, versus jail time. So, yeah. so again, how do you police this? Well, you I would know, imagine you, when you bought that thing, it's probably got some registration back to DJI even. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, maybe because it's connected to, you connect it to the internet when you connect it to your iPad and you have to register and all that stuff. So yeah, maybe it goes back, but just look at the serial number and yeah, you know, get a warrant and find out who flew that thing into my hundred thousand dollar Tesla. Yep. Right. Right. Hundred thousand. Oh yeah. You see a sale somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. All right, that's a good story. All right, guys, we are we are coming to the end of the show. Um, we have another story in here that I think are gonna we're gonna save this to next week. It's about a photographer's close shave in du in a Dubai hotel fire. So we'll link to it in today's show notes, but we'll talk about it in next week's show. So, but. Let's skip on to what we call Act 3, which is our listener Q&A. This is where you guys, we get, or we get to answer a question that came in from the TWIP Army or the TWIP listeners. And this one is from Charles. And Charles says, I keep hearing about cinemagraphs, and I'd like to start shooting some in, new, in the new year. Any advice on getting started and for creating great cinemagraphs? Hmm, I love this question. Joseph, what do you think? <laughs> well, there's... Uh... There's software out there that makes it easy, that's for sure, and that's uh, uh, Flixel. I think Flixel's the company. Cinemagraph Pro, Cinemagraph Pro, is the app, and you can get that on a desktop app, and they even have an iOS version of the app as well. And uh, I've, you know, full disclosure, I've played with them a little bit. I've never actually gone all the way to make a full one that you know is anything worth showing to anybody. But um, in what playing I've done, I will say that biggest piece of advice is stick that camera on a tripod. Yeah. when you're shooting your movie that you're going to turn into a cinemagraph because the ones that I've done where you try to do it handheld, you know, like tr if you try to shoot one with your iPhone that you're going to turn into a cinemagraph and the iPhone moves at all, then it's just, it, it isn't right. It doesn't work out right. It's, yeah, not, it's not going to work. You know, you yeah. can, you're going to freeze the frame of the part that's not going to move. That's not the problem. It's when you build the mask around the part that does move and that whatever's in the background there no longer lines up with the background that you froze. Just stick the camera then, on a tripod. Then the illusion is broken. The illusion is right. broken. So stick the camera yeah. on a tripod. That is my number one piece of advice. And um, and get get Flixel software because it is the de facto thing out there. And, and it works. It makes it yeah. easy. It's cool. Yeah. Mr. Dugdale, what about you? You got any thoughts on cinemagraphs? Yeah, I mean, our, somebody you had on the show a while back who I follow, and he's just 
amazing. Um, Aaron Nace. Um, from, oh yeah. Yeah. He did. And I remember the exact tutorial he did. He did it back in May 5th of last year and it's been watched 180,000 times. And it's a great tutorial where he shows an example of like revolving record, um, as an example. And then he shows this woman on a beach and the waves coming in and how to create it. And he goes for all these tips and it's just, he's doing it in Photoshop with, you know, the video portion of it, which I've never done video in Photoshop before, but apparently you can do I And I've always wanted to yes. try this myself personally. And his tutorial is just fantastic. Um, so yeah, we'll link to that. Link, for sure. Definitely link to that. That one, he did a great job with that one. Um, one well, of my, I, have I, you, I personally love cinemagraphs. Um, and, and I like them for a couple of reasons. Number one is because it kind of blends still photography and video into one kind of one, one frame. Um, and the other reason is, and I don't see a whole lot of this, and hopefully we'll see it over the next couple of years or so, but uh, the, the whole storytelling aspect of being able to do a story, uh, you know, tell a story with a cinemagraph versus a demonstration of the technology. So because it's so new or relatively speaking new, what you tend to see is, hey, look at this woman standing here in the field and her hair is blowing. So when I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's a great shot. It's beautiful. But what? Why? Why is she standing in the field and why do I care that her hair is blowing? You know? So what I would tell uh, our listener, Charles, is if you're going to do this, yeah, definitely go watch Aaron Ace's tutorial. But look at it from the standpoint of trying to tell an entire story or narrative in a single frame, not just let me show people how cool I am with a computer and I made something look nifty actually tell a story you know with it is it you know some guy you know he had too much to drink and he dropped his glass on the floor and all you see is the glass falling over and over you know something like that you know whether instead of just some some trees blowing in the wind or something the other piece that i don't see a lot of in cinemagraphs is sound because these are essentially video clips and i know for some reason cinemagraph pro cinemagraph pro people Flixel, if you're listening please add this feature it doesn't support sound. And that adds a really interesting dimension to these cinemagraphs. If you have, you know, say you have a, a scene where a woman is leaning over a skyscraper off the balcony of a skyscraper in New York City, the wind is blowing because her hair is blowing in the wind. She has her drink. Wouldn't it be great to hear just some faint sounds of New York in the background, you know, horns blowing and the wind and that kind of thing? It just adds another layer of dimension to these things when you can do that. So, you know, that would be my advice. If you're going to do this, think of it from the, the standpoint of a story and not just a demonstration of the technology. And also think of it from the standpoint of a multidimensionalness where you have the a layer of sound in there. You can even think of it where you have the cinemagraph playing with just one little element of motion, but you might have a layer of fog over the top slow, slowly moving. So now you have like all these things going on, but it's still is eerily still. So just do, do something different and don't just, you know, use the technology for technology's sake. All right. Uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle on the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that submit a question link, send us a question or leave us a voice message. All right. It's time for the picks of the week. You guys can answer, you can um, recommend anything to the TWIP army as long as it's related to photography. Dave, what do you got? What's your pick of the week? So the Sony, I've been trying lots of different lenses and there's a 18 to 105. Um, it's meant for crop sensor cameras, but you can mm -hmm. obviously use it on the a7R2 because one of the, they kind of pigeonholed you into using uh, 4k video 
in APS-C mode or crop or super 35, whatever they want to call it, um, on this particular camera. So this is a power zoom lens. So if you're doing sports, it's great. So there's this big honking thing. This is a 28 to 135, which costs about $2,500. This costs about $500. So there's, they're both F4 and they cover roughly the same range. When you look at the equivalents of this being on a full frame um, body type thing, where the reason I ended up going with this one because it's smaller and lighter and it's a lot easier to carry um, is I'm mostly a video guy. And if you look at the, I've done a lot of tests on this. If you look at the stills compared to the other one, the big one, um, this 28 to 135 is way sharper. It's, mm. it's, it's a lot better. It's a superior lens. But if you're shooting 4K video and you're publishing the 1080 and you upload it to YouTube, after all that's happened, the sharpness difference is the test I've run anyway. This lens is hard. It's, it's really, really close. So really, and it, what's the price difference? It's huge. It's like, this is 600. The other one's like 2,500 and they're oh, both, F, they're both F4. So if you're shooting, <laughs> if you're shooting 4k video, which is, you know, th- what this big thing is meant for. Um, and there's, there are a lot of advantage I'm skipping over with this big one. Cause you can get gears and you can do focus pulls and it's not fly by wire. But if you're running gun and shooter like myself and you need a power zoom, this little uh, lever right here that can zoom in and zoom out. Um, really nice and smoothly, super quiet. In fact, it's totally silent. Um, that's kind of my pick of the week is this it's cheap or relatively inexpensive. And it's, um, when you're shooting 4k, this is the only thing I'll never use this for stills because it's not sharp enough, especially Mm. when you use 42 megapixels and you can't even use it in full frame mode. You'll just get big black borders around it because it's meant for a crop sensor camera. So that's my pick of the week. It's just for video use. Mm on the a7r2 but don't use it on the a7s2 because that one is designed more for using it in the full frame mode <laughs> all right we need that's that's like asterisk asterisk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you said that was 400 bucks right that lens no it's about five to six hundred yeah five to six hundred joseph's joseph's your z your zy optics lens that was 400. Is 400 yeah, yeah 400 cool look at this yeah. see all these toys i love them toys cool. toys toys all right, Joseph Linaski, what's your pick of the week? My pick is this beautiful, fabulous iPad Pro. Of course it this is. This thing of course is, it is. This is awesome. So it's let me guess. It's the AT&T 128 gigabyte. Well, it's it, it's yeah. it. Well, yes, with the cellular, the 128. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, yeah, go, of course. Go big or go home. Oh uh, no, it's uh, <clears throat> it's funny. I'm 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 funny, and I you know my wife thinks it's hysterical, but I really wanted to want one, but I couldn't figure out what I was going to do with it. And I went to an Apple store a couple times and I looked at them and I played with them and like, I love it. It's an amazing device, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, I have a fantastic laptop that is, you know, Retina MacBook Pro. And obviously that's bigger and heavier than this, but you know, so I don't really need this. Um, But then I ended up putting my iPad, my, uh, well, needing another system for this whole broadcast setup. Um, and it had certain requirements that I needed. And it turned out that my laptop fit those requirements. And so my laptop is now, unless I really need it for another reason, it is largely relegated to living in this recording studio doing its job here, which kind of freed up the space in the bag for a new laptop or some other kind of device. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go with the iPad Pro, um, get the keyboard cover. I don't have it yet. It's supposed to come, I think, week after next. Those things are crazy backordered. And yeah. uh, try and make this... Uh, use this as a laptop, use this as my portable machine for 
as much as I can. And it's an interesting experiment. And part of this is th- for the the website that I do, the photoapps.expert, uh, mm-hmm. I'm exploring the viability of it and doing that on the site. Uh, there's a big article that went up, uh, but I guess about a week, week and a half ago on the viability of a raw workflow or looking for a raw workflow through an iPad, whether, I mean, it doesn't have to be an iPad pro, it could be a regular iPad, but of course this has the biggest processor. If you're going to work in raw, this is the way to go. And immediately ran into a lot of walls. And what's interesting is I have some of the companies that I called out in the article that have falling down and failing on this. I have phone calls with them over the next couple of weeks. They've reached out to say, well, let's talk about this because that's not okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, it's an I interesting wonder... thing. I, you know, 128 gigs internally, that's a pretty good amount of storage. Uh, if you're doing a big shoot, then it may not be enough. But if you're um, on a trip for a week or so, and you're doing a lot of travel type photography, journalist type photography, this really could work. That is a significant amount of storage for your uh, your raw, raw plus JPEG files. Right. Um, if you're not in, that's with the caveat, you're not doing any video or anything like that. Cause that's going to eat up. The video is going to eat up space a lot more. Right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you know, there's, there's things like, uh, this has, uh, the, I'm not going to say it cause I don't want it to wake up at the H E Y Siri. Right. And yes. that doesn't yeah. have to be plugged in for that. So now suddenly if you're in laptop mode and you've got the keyboard on it and you're typing and you can just say the command and have it do something, it's, it's just a whole other level of integration that is fun to explore. It's interesting to see where it leads. Uh, yeah. you know, and so I decided to try it out. I'm having fun with so it. So here, here's a question for you. So I was having this conversation with a mutual friend of ours, actually, that happens still to be at that company. Uh-huh. And we were, we were discussing slash debating why, why can't I have a dual boot iPad Pro? Why can't my iPad Pro boot into Mac OS 10 when I need it to be a full Mac OS device and I can use a wireless keyboard and a mouse with it. Mm-hmm. And then also when I need it to be an iPad so I can go portable and travel and all that, you know, have it boot into iOS mode. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think if you have to reboot to do different work, then that's, you know, you're losing time, you're losing functionality and you're going to go, yeah. well, or I'm reboot not or switch that. or however. Well, so know. I mean, you just need the, the, iOS apps to do what the OS 10 apps do. So that means right. you need full featured mail. And you know, you, if you're an office type person, you've got full featured office, well, I don't full featured, but you've got office on here that I haven't installed. I haven't even worked with it. Cause I'm, you know, I love pages. I'm a pages guy, but apparently yeah. word is pretty stinking awesome on this thing. Um, so you have those functionalities on there. So you, you just need the capabilities on the iOS that you currently have on OS 10. And in many regards you do you know, iMovie on this thing is phenomenal. Working yeah. on iMovie on here is so cool. It's such a great way to work. It's not Final Cut Pro, but you've got your basics. And to yeah. be able to sit on the couch and do that is pretty cool. Um, and you know, for the photo yeah. editing, you know, I've been playing with and looking at a variety of apps. And uh, like Snapseed and Visco are two of the ones that I use the most on here for photo editing. Mm-hmm. And there's there are holes in this because of the the lack of a proper raw workflow. There are apps that will actually read the raw file and decode the raw file using some open source raw decode, but they're not very good. The, the decode's not very good. You know, Lightroom on here doesn't support raw. That's a massive flaw. Mylio does support raw, which is fantastic. I can import raw plus JPEG files onto here using the SD card reader, which by the way, the new one comes in at USB three speeds. So there's another, I have another article on the site about that, talking about the new reader and how much faster it is and a little side oh, by cool. side. We need that link too. We need that. Okay. Yeah. I'll stick them all in the show notes. Um, 
Mylio actually will pull in the raw and the JPEG files and, and let you work with a raw or the JPEG. So you can decode the raw file, do your adjustments to it. But when you export it, it renders it down to 2048 pixels. So it breaks it. So every everything that's on here now, one way or another, breaks this format, breaks the system. So there is no viable system right now. But again, I got some companies' attention through this and uh, I'm having some conversations and hopefully we'll see that fixed soon. Nice, nice. Okay, so last question on that. Do you, like, what do you, like, if you look forward into the future, are we moving, are we going to continue moving in a dual operating system capacity with iOS and macOS? Or do you think the macOS will kind of fall away and and be relegated to, you know, the, the, the desktop kind of old man junkyard and then, you know, iOS will take over and apps will become more mature and we'll be able to do everything with the iOS apps. Yeah, I do. I do. I think that eventually, and I don't know what this timeline is. I don't know if it's five years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know what it is, but eventually the idea of the desktop with the mouse is going to go away. The, the touch screen is, is key. And we all know that you don't, nobody wants to sit in front of a huge screen and be reaching around doing this type of work all day long. That's just not feasible. It's too tiring. But as voice control gets better and better, uh, the the amount, the ability to control things precisely with the mouse is still one of the advantages of the mouse. But now you've got the pencil. And mm -hmm. obviously it's not like Apple's the first to have a, a stylus on there, but the accuracy of that pencil is pretty phenomenal. So if you start, you take away the mouse and you have the idea of the pencil instead for those times when you really do need to go in there that precisely, you pick up that pencil and do what it is you got to do. Um, there's less and less need for the OS 10 style, the traditional mouse and keyboard. You still have a keyboard on here. Voice recognition gets better and better. Eventually we can probably get rid of that. Uh, but you know, anybody who's dictated anything to Siri knows that the, the way that you speak is not the same as the way that you type. And right. Right. it's a very different workflow. That is, I think, part of just an evolution of what we have to get used to. Um, but I, I don't know that the keyboard itself will ever really go away, but you know, who knows you watch Star Trek, there's not too many keyboards on there. So, you know, Hey, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. but it's, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long winded answer to the question, but I do think that the idea of the traditional desktop computer running OS 10 is, does have its, uh, it limits. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be here forever. Um, yeah. and the more powerful this, these get, you know, why have two OSs? It doesn't, it's not necessary. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Simplify, simplify. Uh, so, All right. Well, perfect. So, Anything else from you, Joseph? No, I think I babbled on long enough. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking that. I didn't want to say it out no. loud. Was... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, guys, before we sign off, uh, Dave, what's going on, man? What do you have coming up in the coming months? And don't be a stranger. You need to come on TWIP more than once every 18, 20 months. <laughs> um, just... I got to finish this course before Sony comes out with another camera. That's what I'm You're working like, Joseph, on. please stop talking so I can go finish my You're course. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, and it's tough because of the holidays. I haven't gotten anything done in the last couple of weeks. So tomorrow I am recording and I am, I've got, in fact, I'm working nice. on the S log chapter tomorrow. It's like, do you have a commit date to launch this thing? Or are you just like, I'm just going to work on it. And when it's done, it's done. You know, people email me say, when's the course going to be done? I'm like, I don't even want to say anymore. Cause then I'll just, it'll be like a month after that. I'll be like, Oh, <laughs> yeah i know yeah yeah don't be don't be that kickstarter guy <laughs> yeah we're launching in summer of 2015 2017 rolls around is still not launched <laughs> so cool all right man well cool well thank you for coming on much appreciated yeah, always thank a you. pleasure 
All right. And Joseph Lenasky, man, what's uh what's what's on your docket? What's next up? WPPI? Uh no, actually the ne- very next is uh, uh Imaging USA in Atlanta. That's I leave Saturday for that. Um so I'll be out oh. there for a couple days. Um uh, that's nice. the next event, next show. And then yeah, WPPI is coming up. Uh we're recording another Linda course coming up here later in this month, which will be really fun. And trying to focus on the website on photoapps.expert. I really have, because I was so busy with all these video projects, I really did not put a whole lot of time into there. And plus I spent every free moment getting this studio built out, which your listeners and viewers are not seeing it at its finest because Google Hangouts sucks and it won't let me use any of my good hardware. So I've relegated to Say this- Say that after we finish recording the show, please. So that we relegated to this ancient USB microphone and a webcam instead of my GH4 and my proper mic. Anyway- um, so I've been focusing a lot on that. So I need to getting this built and now it's done. So I can actually start doing some of the work out of here. I've been, uh, I kicked off a Lightroom for Aperture users workshop, uh, video course. I kicked it off with mm-hmm. a discussion at the end of the year. And now that we're in the new year, that actual training course is going to start. And then, um, the other thing I'm, I'm trying to plan a trip to, to Istanbul. I've never been, it's on my list, oh. a place I really, really want to go. And, um, I've been talking to my wife about it. And I think that this year I'm just, I'm going to do it. I got to find a, figure out the right time, um, yeah. which might be sooner rather than later, but I want to get out there desperately to shoot. It's just such a beautiful place. I really want to get there. So nice. any well, listeners yeah, who, I, uh, who have any experience or, or even live there, please reach out to me, Twitter, photo Joseph, find me, let me know. Istanbul, Joseph, cool. Yeah, man, I've been I've been bitten by that travel bug too, <laughs> and I'm trying to look. I'm looking for my next adventure. I'm not sure where it's going to be. I'm thinking Korea, probably right South Korea. Of course, South Korea. I don't want that one way trip into North Korea. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so, what's up for me? The, the one thing I wanted to mention that's coming up for me is I'm speaking at the Out of Chicago conference coming up in June uh, with a bunch of other people that have been on twip apparently it's almost like the out of twip kind of conference <laughs> so it's I'm, I'm actually from chicago so it's going to be kind of it's going to be awesome so i get to hang out with people that i i know and admire and get see get to see family and go to restaurants that i love and all that so if you are going to be in that area or you want to come hang out um just go to i'm going to set up a short link for this just go to twip.pro slash ooc out of chicago twip.pro slash ooc and uh, it'll take you right to the front page to register and come hang out. I think I'm doing like eight sessions, six or eight sessions or something there. It's, uh, cool. it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good time and lots of lots of uh, hanging out after the conference as well. I'll show you around Chicago if you come. So anyway, that's what I'm up to. All right, uh, I want to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. And you know, we're at the end of the show, so you know the routine. Visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com to see the notes for this show and all of our other shows and more importantly it's time to take that lens cap off this week in photo is a pixelcore.tv production produced by suzanne llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.